Welcome to the Power Trends Podcast, produced by the New York Independent System Operator, where we discuss energy planning, public policy, and other issues affecting New York's power grid. Hi, this is Kevin Lanahan, Vice President of External Affairs and Corporate Communications for the New York ISO, and welcome to another edition of the Power Trends Podcast. Today we're speaking with Susan Tierney of the renowned international economic consulting firm Analysis Group. And we're going to cover carbon pricing, a hot topic among climate economists, environmentalists, uh, certainly those in the energy industry and environmental policymakers. So uh, welcome, Sue, to the Power Trends podcast. We're really excited to have you here. Thanks, Kevin. It's really a pleasure to have this chance to share information with you and your listeners. So the NISO engaged Sue and analysis group back in February 2019 to study the potential impacts of introducing a carbon pricing mechanism into the New York wholesale electric markets. And Sue, many, as many of our listeners probably know, carbon pricing is something that NISO and, and market participants have been working on in earnest for near, nearly two years now. Through the governance process, we've developed a carbon pricing proposal, and that continues to be discussed and debated by stakeholders. Uh, I think it's important for listeners to know that uh, the proposal was developed by the NISO with the idea that incorporating a social cost of carbon into the wholesale market price for electricity uh, is the most efficient way to create an effective synergy between the state's ambitious clean energy and decarbonization goals and the competitive wholesale markets. Uh, your analysis is so important in terms of where we go next. But first, I thought it was um, important for you to just describe a little bit about your background, please. You're a senior advisor in Analysis Group's energy and environment practice. I have been, as you said, at the Analysis Group, which is headquartered in Boston. And before that, I worked in government for about 15 years. Uh, my, my most recent job was to be head of policy at the U.S. Department of Energy. And then for maybe 12 years or so, I worked in state government in Massachusetts. My last job there was Secretary of Environmental Affairs. I was a public utility commissioner, and I was head of our Energy Facility Siting Council. And then, importantly, from my point of view, I had uh, an academic career, which started when I did my graduate studies at Cornell University. So I have a lot of fondness for New York State, and in that context, it's really nice to have a chance to work on issues in New York. A distinguished career and and a solid reputation in the industry. Um, I think first, maybe we explain in simple terms for our listeners how carbon pricing works. In essence, what happens under this proposal is that power suppliers, when they make their offer price, which is the amount of money at which they are willing to sell into the uh, NISO market, they would include in it an adder, which would be reflective of how much carbon there is when they produce electricity from their uh, generating unit. Obviously, a nuclear plant or a hydro facility or a wind or solar facility would not have any carbon emissions. A fossil generator would provide its offer price, and in effect, uh, the New York ISO would add its carbon intensity to the um, offer price. 
Then New York ISO would do its normal business of figuring out what would be the least cost dispatch, taking that carbon price into account. And consumers would see a price that reflects carbon emissions. So they'd get a signal for reducing uh, their own use given that price. But the payments to fossil or carbon emitting generators would only reflect their offer price without carbon. That means that there would be a difference between what consumers see in their prices and what payments are to generators. And that difference would be credited back to consumers as an offset of the price that reflects carbon emissions. So in essence, this would be something in which the operations of the market would really be aligned with reducing carbon emissions and consumers would get a dividend to reflect the fact that they are paying a price to the uh, electricity supplier but that supplier is not getting paid for its carbon. Let me clarify one thing. In the New York ISO's market, consumers are equivalent to entities like utility companies or wholesale suppliers of electricity to residential, industrial, and commercial customers. So in, in the way I was describing that, the consumer is the load-serving entity or the supplier of electricity to retail consumers. So they are the ones that will be getting this credit back, and that, those credits would flow back to retail consumers in the end. Okay, great. And that dividend or credit that you speak of is, is extremely important. First, maybe it's helpful to talk about the scope of your study. So uh, we engaged with you, as I said, in February, and the aim was to look at elements and topics uh, not addressed or analyzed in previous studies, uh, for instance, like public health benefits. But then there was a major change in the middle of your work. Uh, the state and the legislature passed a law establishing uh, what many now refer to as the most aggressive climate reduction uh, goals in the country. So can you discuss how this changed your, your look at our carbon pricing proposal? Absolutely. What happened was that when the act was passed, New York adopted extraordinarily more aggressive goals for carbon reduction than had been reflected in the studies that had previously been performed and shared with stakeholders in New York State. As a result of that, we were presented with a situation where the results of those modeling studies, in our view, did not accurately reflect what we can expect to see under the Act. As, uh, as you know, I have spent a lot of time looking at uh, carbon reduction plans across the country, and I can safely say that New York has really stepped to the head of the pack. The amount of carbon reduction that needs to take place in 11 years is a stunning amount. By 2040, the Act requires New York's electric system to have no more carbon emissions. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty aggressive, that's pretty important, and that's pretty difficult. And as a result of that, we really pivoted our study from a question of whether New York should do this in light of consumer cost impacts and so forth to a study of how New York can mobilize its various tools and policy instruments 
to get the biggest bang out of the marketplace as possible in order to accomplish the varied goals of the Act. So your report says that um, incorporating a carbon price into the wholesale markets and our carbon pricing proposal gets to those state goals um, faster, more efficiently, and in, in more creative ways. So let's take it piece by piece. First, carbon pricing achieves the goals faster. How so? Putting a price signal into the market that says carbon matters and we need to lower it as quickly as possible could drive innovation. That would be really powerful for New York. The, the fact that the New York ISO and its many stakeholders have been working for already two years to formulate this carbon pricing proposal gives it a leg up in trying to uh, put a, a one of those instruments in place in relatively short order. Imagine that if New York stakeholders at the New York ISO's governance process were to, to endorse this and in turn the board to adopt it, the, the New York ISO could propose a, an action to be approved by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission in pretty short order and get the signal underway to the marketplace that carbon emissions matter and that anyone who can step up as quickly as possible to bring carbon-free electricity resources into the market, that they're going to have uh, appropriate financial incentives for doing that. So there will be a forward price signal that will be extremely powerful in the marketplace about the importance of reducing carbon will be a really important tool for getting the market starting to row in the right direction. In, in my view, that it can get the market private sector actors aligned with policy actors quickly. The report also delves into uh, the category of, of innovation. So um, the quicker entry of clean energy projects um, as a significant benefit. Can you talk a little bit about that? You mentioned, Sue, you know, having a, available to the state all of the tools, if you will, in the toolbox. Um, how does this spur on new, new innovation and new technologies? That's a great question. I, I really want to emphasize that New York State has been a policy innovator and technology leader on clean energy. The New York State Energy Research and Development Authority has had a program for many years, which is really unusual among states, and it supports the uh, development of new technologies in order to move them into the marketplace. That's number one. Number two, the Public Service Commission has had a number of policies that have really tried to advance both action to reduce demand on the, uh, the consumer side, but add on to that the possibility that there could be a powerful signal in the New York ISO's marketplace itself if there were the adoption of the social cost of carbon as a price signal in markets, you would expect to see a lot of different innovations coming forward. For example, it would be a more powerful signal to 
market participants involved in adding transmission capacity between northern parts of New York State where there are a lot of renewable resources and downstate New York. Right now there are transmission constraints that exist that make it very hard, if not impossible, for consumers in the downstate regions where most of the people live to get access to plentiful and low-cost supplies of low-carbon resources in upstate New York. With a carbon price, there would be a more powerful signal to developers of transmission to open up the transmission grid for greater access. That's a really important innovation that could be spurred here. Second, you can imagine that there could be a lot of innovation from a variety of technology companies and service providers to come up with solutions that help consumers to shift their use of electricity from one time of day to another, to actually do better jobs of producing electricity on their own premises through things like uh, uh, cogeneration or solar power, or to actually shift things through adoption of battery technologies. Finally, another way is that there are these advanced technologies that promise to offer electricity supply at lower carbon emissions, and they still need financial signals that it is worth it, worth it to do so. That might come in the form of these innovative storage technologies. That might be in the form of signaling to uh, users of electric vehicles when they should use the grid and when they shouldn't use the grid. It could be signaling to suppliers of existing nuclear energy in upstate New York that it's really worth their while to continue to invest in their plants to keep them safely operating for many, many years to come. This brings to mind for me uh, former DOE Secretary Ernest Money's uh, recent report that talks about what you're saying are you know, some of those technologies that are in the lab right now that could be spurred on by carbon pricing in New York, carb carbon removal technologies and getting those kinds of approaches to scale. There's a couple of points you made. I, I think what, you're, what I heard you say was that this creates an incentive not just for technologies but also consumer behavior. That's exactly right. I think it's incentives for consumers through understanding that, that if they reduce their demand that will help lessen the carbon emissions burden that uh, New York already seizes in place and wants to address. Right now, that's a very weak signal to consumers. Mm -hmm. And so stimulating the creativity of service providers to come up with really attractive uh, both widgets and um, service offerings to electricity consumers is a really important thing as part of this whole package. We need entrepreneurs and investors to help technologists bring their products to market. There's all sorts of aspects that are needed to get this job done quickly and effectively. And a price signal in um, electricity markets can only help in all of those ways. The other thing I heard you say back there, which is really important, is we're not talking about a carbon price as supplanting state initiatives and subsidies. We're talking about you know, how these two approaches can work together in unison. You were talking a little bit about what we were going to need to do together as a state to attract that, um, 
that kind of in, the kind of investment necessary to get to these to these incredible goals. We haven't talked a lot about cost yet, so let's let's tackle that. Um, this is going to require, as I just said, a, a huge investment. How does um, our carbon pricing proposal um, affect the cost of these of getting to these goals? We know from experience that reliance on organized markets in the United States to produce electricity more efficiently has produced benefits and tangible financial savings to consumers. And the literature makes it clear that there are percentages of costs that are otherwise avoided when there are efficiency gains associated with harnessing these markets. And we estimate that those efficiency gains for the next couple of decades are on the order of from a third of a billion dollars to almost a billion dollars in simply relying on harnessing the, the New York ISO's market with a carbon price compared to without a carbon price. We also are aware that there have been these modeling studies that have looked at what they'll consider consumer savings over the next couple of decades. And those indicate that from a present value, today's value looking forward to those consumer savings, in my opinion, these are conservative and they range from everywhere from 200 million to $3 billion. And those differences have to do with what scenario assumptions people have modeled and what kind of discount rate. You know, how precious are tomorrow's dollars compared to what dollars exist in people's pockets today? So there are clear savings that are estimated for consumers. And finally, there has been a very important study conducted by Resources for the Future that estimates the social welfare benefits. This is the net value to New York's and others' economy associated with adopting this carbon pricing mechanism. And, and that study that identifies that there would be from, a, from roughly 120 million to 750 million per year in social welfare economic benefits to, uh, to the world, basically, of putting this carbon price mechanism in place. Those are really important economic indicators. Using a carbon pricing mechanism in the New York ISO markets will avoid some of those costs that would otherwise be in place without a carbon pricing mechanism. The other important point the report makes is that using the markets as a platform and incorporating the social cost of carbon actually protects consumers from the massive amount of investment risk that is going to come with trying to get to these goals. Yes. One of the important things to remember is that between 20 and 25 years ago, New Yorkers found themselves in a situation in which the then existing structure of the electric industry was imposing on consumers an enormous amount of financial risk. And New York at that time embarked on a path to rely on competitive markets 
to reduce consumers' risk and to place risk on those parties, investors, owners of power plants, suppliers of products to electricity consumers, to put on those parties the risk associated with betting wrong on uh, the future. One last question, Sue. The report makes the point that New York State has led the way historically on these kinds of policy initiatives and that carbon pricing provides um, another opportunity for the state to be a leader here. Is it your analysis that this is a proposal that could be perhaps transferred around the country and uh, provide for an, a national model, if you will? Well, I absolutely do. New York has for decades been a leader on clean energy and stepped up to work on the regional greenhouse gas initiative. New York has been doing these other things to advance clean energy. I would say some of the renewable and uh, carbon-free programs associated with the upstate New York plants are hallmarks of that. So New York has been extraordinarily advanced thinker. New York's policymakers have been leaders for years and as recently as this year in doing things to get the job done, including these offshore wind proposals. At a time like now where there is so much public attention to the climate problem and when there is so much apparent support for policymakers taking action, having an example of a workable solution that New York could advance with the carbon pricing approach is a powerful signal that could be sent to other areas. There's a lot of parts of the country that are looking at what to do next in terms of their own policy toolkit to reduce carbon emissions. I think there's huge interest and I think people will be watching not only from the other states and the other markets but around the world for an example of a workable solution. And so I really hope that with this spotlight and positive support for change on climate issues that this will be something that New York considers an essential element of getting all hands on deck to meet its climate goals. Well, Sue, I think that's the perfect point on which to, to close this out. I want to uh, say it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. I want to thank you for your time and for your expertise, and certainly thank you for your hard work on this report uh, on behalf of, of all of the NISO. We appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin. I know I can speak on behalf of my co-author, Paul Hibbard, uh, who is just a marvelous expert on these issues in thanking you for giving us the opportunity to analyze the carbon pricing mechanism as a, a really important tool in the policy quiver for climate action. Terrific. Sue Tierney of the Analysis Group, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, the New York Independent System Operator, NISO for short, is responsible for reliably managing New York's power grid and energy markets and providing independent data to policymakers and the public. For more independent info, please visit the NISO blog at www.nyiso.com blog.